Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end. With Schneppley and Toth. So welcome to episode 48 of The Shallow End. I was actually, I'm just minutes back from a hike, JG, and I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was listening to the latest episode of Box. And I had been feeling really good about The Shallow End because, as you know, we, uh, we topped the half million uh, download mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a milestone. And I was really, really, really proud. I was like, wow, this thing has grown so fast compared to how I thought it was going to, to grow. And it's entirely because of the listeners, the subscribers, and the love that they have, that they have shown. And, and we have, I think, done a pretty good job of telling people how grateful we are. So I'm pretty, you know, not puffed up, not arrogant, but like, damn, this is really cool. This is working well. And I'm maybe half a mile into my four-mile hike and then you say to Cat on Box, so we just topped 25 million downloads. And I'm yeah. like, damn it, we suck. Yeah, sit down, Junior. <laughs> go, t- go take your little half a million download. Look at my 25 million. Let's stack these two up against each other. See, I'm the Empire State Building. You're mm-hmm. a single story roof. But a very nice single story roof with that a strong was, foundation. So these things, these things take time. <laughs> they do. So I just wanted to say congratulations on uh, oh, on twenty five million. That's that's. I am very proud to have uh, been in on the ground floor of Box and from, have, from have, episode one. From episode one, and have listened to every single episode. Uh, I have not missed a single one. That's, I think, the definition of insanity. Lindsay, you know. I think you're right. <laughs> I'm going to cop to that one. That's for sure. <laughs> I was out at lunch with Kat um, day before yesterday. We were in um, West Palm Beach and um, visiting some friends down there. Well, new friends. We talked about this on Box, uh, the hosts of And That's Why We Drink podcast. Christine so, and, and M. Christine and M. Yep. And uh, before we met up with them, we went to lunch by ourselves, Kat and I. And I'm uh, sitting there and we're talking about the podcast and somebody 
overheard us and they said, oh, you guys, and that's why we drink. I'm like, no, 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 no. We do a couple of other podcasts. And uh, so we shared the information and uh, he was particularly interested in the shallow end. Oh. And, and w- once he understood the premise of it, he said, oh, man, I've got a story for you. He was uh, he was at lunch um, with some friends okay. not too long before this and they were getting up to leave and the couple that they were visiting with that were at the table with them had a a newborn baby and he was very excited to to meet the baby and as they're leaving uh, he bends down to kiss the baby's head and didn't realize that the woman was breastfeeding at the time (laughs) and that was not the baby's head he kissed oh dear lord I would love to have been in the restaurant to see wow. that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. That's, uh, that's like something out of a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> that's priceless. Good for him for, uh, for sharing that story. Yeah. That's, we appreciated that. I told him I was going to, I was going to mention that. That's really and cool. I, I I did that just so we could get another subscriber. Yeah, uh, take take them any way we can get them. You know, anything for a uh, anything for a number, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. if you have friends listening that you think might enjoy the shallow end, don't hesitate to share it with them. We would appreciate you know, that. Actually, yeah. that's I'm, I was going to read this uh, in the middle of the show, but this is a perfect segue. We got an email from a woman named Sarah who said, hello, Lindsay and Jethro. I love the show. I listen to your podcast while working. So many of my coworkers walk in my work area and with a scrunched stink eye ask, what the hell are you listening to? I reply, the shallow end. After they sit and listen for a few minutes, they too become deeply invested in the stories you shared. Needless to say, they become regular listeners. Oh, that's fantastic. Love the show. Love Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Awesome, Sarah. You see, that's a simple little way to help us grow the podcast. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's free for crying out loud. It's the least you can do. All we're asking for is a couple of five lousy stars. Like, that's going to cost you anything. I love it when we pander to the listeners. Anyway. (laughs) Who's going first? I think I am. I think you are. Today, we're going to explore the hilarious and absurd journey of one of Britain's most peculiar criminals. His name, John Fletcher. I love it already. John Fletcher was known as the Gray Fox. You know, he's a notorious criminal when he's got a cool nickname like that. Yeah, very, very. He was also known as the Heener Cat because... Heener was the in England, the area where he uh, he was he, he burgled. He was a notorious English thief who committed over 100 burglaries wow. in the ni- 1950s and 1960s. That's impressive. It is. At least on the surface. Uh oh. He, he was born in 1932 in Wolverhampton, England. Fletcher began his criminal career his criminal career at a very young age. And he started out with petty thefts like stealing candy bars and things. And he gradually worked his way up to more serious crimes. <laughs> I like how you make it sound impressive. Like he, he worked at his craft. He did. He, he crafted it. It's an art yeah. form. Yeah. Um, he was known for his ability to elude the police, which is how he earned the, the nickname, the gray Fox. It was because he was sly and elusive uh, and cunning. 
John began his criminal career in Heener, England, where he started out small, like I mentioned, stealing candy bars and sweets from the local shops. But as he grew older, so did his ambitions. In 1953, John committed his first real burglary, breaking and entering. He broke into a shop in the middle of the night um, and tried to make off with the cash register, but was unable to do so. So he left with just a few items of clothing and a pair of shoes. Um, he was a burglar with a sense of fashion. I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't criticize him for that. But he didn't he didn't stop there, Linz. He went on to commit, as I mentioned, over 100 burglaries in the period of about 15 years, targeting yeah, everything from post offices to bakeries to schools. That's commitment. It truly is. However, despite his efforts, over 100 burglaries, he only managed to steal about a hundred pounds over his entire criminal career. The equivalent of equivalency of about uh, $150 cash. What? Every time he broke in, he would just, he, he, he never stole anything of value. What, what the hell? Yeah. He was not stupid. He was quite thoughtful and cunning and meticulous in his planning. Uh, he often scouted out targets for weeks in advance. Uh, he would go through their security systems. But when he got there, it was maybe it was either bad luck or just bad decisions on his part. He never stole anything of very much value. Interesting. But he was known for being good at planning. He was so good at it that he once robbed a bank by tunneling into the vault from the floor of the building next door only to find the vault empty. Good grief. It's <laughs> like something out of a heist movie, but instead of George Clooney and Brad Pitt, it was just John sweating profusely while shoveling and muttering to himself. <laughs> All that wasted effort. Oh, my God. He was so bad at stealing that he once broke into a post office and accidentally left behind a note with his name and address on it. Now, if if that doesn't scream criminal mastermind, I don't know what does. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's really weird. It, it almost makes you wonder if he wasn't interested in the bounty. He just he just got off on having successfully broken into wherever he was he was breaking into. And once he got there, he thought, well, OK, I proved I can do it. I, you know. I'll take that, a bucket, leave. Yeah, that that may be a part of it. Although uh, I think, like in the case of the bank heist, it was just bad luck. They had emptied out the vault the night before or something. <laughs> right. So maybe a combination of both of those things. Yeah, yeah. Even with his impressive feats of planning, that couldn't save John from the long arm of Johnny Law. Johnny Law. He was eventually caught and sentenced to 23 years in prison. Wow. And he spent those days playing chess with fellow inmates and writing his memoir. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, even when he was in prison, he couldn't resist the allure of a good heist. He broke out of prison by crawling through a half full sewage pipe. Oh, Shawshank. That's exactly what I thought, too. Only to break into a nearby factory where he stole a couple of tools before crawling back into the pipe and returning to his cell. That, my friend, is dedication to one's craft. Boy, I'll say. All for a couple of tools. Upon his release, 
1989, John returned almost immediately to his life of crime because apparently he just couldn't get enough. Six days after he had been released, after spending, well, a total of almost 24 years of his life in prison for $150 in <laughs> shoes and clothing and odds and ends, a tool. Right. Um, he, six days after his release, he was arrested for breaking into three different schools and stealing a total of $3.60 U.S. dollars. Wow. Needless to say, the authorities had had enough of John's shenanigans. The magistrates at the court in Heener had heard enough of John's excuses and decided to give him a stern lecture. But what they said to him became the stuff of legend. According to eyewitness accounts, one of the magistrates looked John straight in the eye and he said, quote, you, John Fletcher, are the world's worst burglar. Ooh, you are not very good at it and you have never made any money out of it. The other magistrates reportedly chimed in telling John that he was, quote, a complete and utter failure as a thief and that he should find some other profession if he wanted to make a living. That had to sting. He had a pretty good sense of humor about it. He addressed the court saying, quote, if there was a prize for unsuccessful criminals, I would have no opposition. He said he had finally decided to try doing an honest job for work. He told the magistrates that he had been offered a job as a tailor, which is a craft that he had learned while he was behind bars. Okay. So they said, OK, we're going to give you this one last shot. They just gave him two years of probation for the breaking and entering. Now, you might think that John would be angry or upset about the dressing down uh, by the magistrates, but he did. He took it all in stride. And according to his own memoir, he found the whole thing quite amusing. He may have been a bad thief, but he at least was a good sport, I guess. In the end, he did, in fact, retire from his life of crime. He realized that he was better off using his wits for other pursuits like writing and playing chess. Apparently, he became quite good at chess. John was a fascinating character. He may have been a lousy thief, but he was a true original and even wrote a book called The Gentleman Thief. He passed away in 2011 at the age of 80. His legacy lives on as one of Britain's most notorious burglars ever. A guy who spent nearly 24 years of his life in prison after committing over 100 burglaries and netting about 150 bucks us wow. wow that's amazing that's incredible when i think about him and if if they were to make a a movie based on his life i see david nivens playing his part that's perfect casting spot on elegant dapper well-spoken polite intelligent mm -hmm. a gentleman through and through who just can't resist breaking into stuff <laughs> for no apparent reason <laughs> for no reason only to get a dollar if he got anything at all my source information the windsor star cracked.com and the telegram great story Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. To many people, it's just a stuffed animal or plush toy. But you know the truth. That darling teddy bear, Mr. Bigglesworth, is alive. And he always has been and will be. If you think you're the only one who feels that way, think again. We're with you. We're PETSA, people for the ethical treatment of stuffed animals. Do stories of people hiding from the police by cutting into a big teddy bear make you cry? Us too. When you see a plush toy being punched by a toddler, do you want to run over and pull it away to save the little toy's life? Us too. Does the mere thought of a stuffed animal being tossed in the trash bring you to your knees? Yep, us too. At PETSA, we've been lobbying for years to guarantee the rights of stuffed animals and plush toys. No one works harder for the well-being of your little teddy bear and his little friends. Make a generous donation to PETSA today. PETSA, people for the ethical treatment of stuffed animals. And Mr. Bigglesworth says thank you. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We got an email just this morning from a uh, gentleman named Peter, who's a criminal defense attorney in the Twin Cities. He says, hey, guys, I often come across hilarious cases that seem as if they were tailor-made for your show. The bank (laughs) robber you discussed in your last podcast seems to be bucking for a Darwin Award with my friend's client, who's the subject of the attached order issued last October. And he actually sends along the order, which I'm going to read to you in a second. But he says, at any rate, I thought you guys would get a kick out of the attached order due to how similar it was to your last show. Love your show, Peter. Thanks, Peter. So Peter sends uh, along this order. This is the state of Minnesota, 4th Judicial District Court, County of Hennepin, Criminal Division. The uh, suit is State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Jeffrey Sanders Defendant. (laughs) And it's an order. Well, I'm not going to give it away. On October 19th, 2021, at approximately 1225 p.m., a disheveled Jeffrey Sanders ambled into the BMO Harris Bank at 320 Lake Street and presented a simple note handwritten in block letters on the back of an envelope. Okay, mistake number one, if you're a bank robber, you should never amble. No, no, you need to be quick about things. The note read, all caps, give me all money, big bills, no die packs. Mr. Sanders waited next to a security guard for about two minutes while the bank's manager collected $2,000. Mr. Sanders took the money, ambled back out of the bank mm-hmm. and on and into a nearby porta potty and was promptly apprehended by police when he emerged. <laughs> I, I can identify with that because when I get nervous, my my lower intestines become active. I used to have to take a pregame dump before we played basketball in school. So I got gotcha. I can only imagine, you know, how nervous his stomach must have been after sure. robbing a bank. Right. The order goes on for his conduct. Mr. Sanders was charged with simple robbery and theft, exposing him to up to 51 months in prison. Oof. Mr. Sanders, through his attorney, Shauna Kiefer, now asks the court to dismiss the simple robbery charge based on this argument. His conduct did not involve the use or threatened use of force necessary to convict him. Mr. Sanders supports his argument by pointing out that he did not possess or display any type of weapon, did not make any type of overt threat. The state, 
Through Assistant County Attorney Albania Concepcion opposed the motion, arguing a jury should ultimately decide the question. Mm-hmm. Based upon the arguments of the parties and all the files, records, and proceedings herein, the court makes the following order. Mr. Sanders' motion to dismiss is granted. What? The, the accompanying memorandum is incorporated into this order by reference. So the judge actually agreed, yeah, you know what? Didn't use a gun, didn't threaten violence, just said, hey, can I have some money? And uh, therefore, it's not really robbery. So Wow. Isn't that wild? Wow. Well, what kind of a precedent is that setting? I don't know if it's a good one, but I do Oof. want to thank Peter, the uh, criminal defense attorney in Minneapolis, for, for sending that. We never would have never would have heard of that otherwise. Thank you, that's, Peter. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and feel free, Peter, in the future to send us send us any uh, sensitive court documents that you might be able to get your fingers on. <laughs> yeah. As long as we're not getting in trouble for reading them. We, we have spies everywhere. <laughs> That's amazing, Lindsay. Yeah. Sometimes I guess stupidity does pay. Well, he didn't get to keep the money, but yeah. I'm guessing that it was his, that he realized I needed a, a defense attorney and that the defense attorney is listening to Peter's, or I'm sorry, to the defendant's story in his office and thinks, well, let's try this. Yeah. And what do we got to lose? Yeah. Yeah. The only, uh, the only, if it doesn't work, you're looking at 51 months in prison. <laughs> but if this works, you're a free man. I'm That's, not, I, I would not have been surprised if before the judgment was handed down, he had to excuse himself and go back to the porta potty again. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. So we go from uh, bank theft to car theft. Here we go. I would have guessed before researching this story that the United States would have been a world leader in car theft. What would you have thought? Uh, I would think yes, right at the top of the list. Yeah. Well, it turns out not so much. It's actually Denmark is the 
uh, world leader in car thefts. Denmark. Yeah, they are. They are the worst country in the world for car theft. Uh, and just in terms of of some scale here, Australia is fourth. The UK, where our story takes place, is actually sixth in the world. The US is only twelfth in the world. Oh, that's surprising to me. For for the record, the least car thefts in uh, in the planet take place in Senegal, which is seventy fourth. It's at the very very bottom. <laughs> My guess is they're just. Maybe aren't that many cars or people Probably, are incredibly yeah. honest, but I guess maybe I'll move to Senegal and not have to worry about my car getting pinched. So this takes place in a uh, town in greater Manchester area of England, uh, and it's Rochdale, Manchester. And our hero here is a kid, and I mean kid, he was, he was only 18, named Joshua Dobson. Now, Joshua was 18 when this went down. This was just last summer, 2022. So in May of last year, Mr. Dobson, who we should point out is relatively diminutive in stature and brains, stole an SUV. It was a Mitsubishi ASX. Now, here in America, we call that uh, it's the Mitsubishi Outlander. It's a cool car. Now, his being a smaller young man proves key to this story. More about that in a minute. But the day that he stole this car, he realizes that it needs <laughs> gas. So what do you do? You drive to a gas station, or as the Brits say, a petrol station. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He gassed it up and then, surprise, drove off without paying. Just sped off. Now, I don't know if he thought... One doesn't pay for gassing up a stolen car. Like if it's a stolen car, it should only run on <laughs> stolen gas. What do they call that? Uh, pump and go. Pump and go. Yeah. If not, they should. It is now. We just we just coined that term. Uh, now, the police have not said how, but they finally they they know who he is, but they don't know where he is. And they were looking for him. But they just couldn't find him. And, and this actually went on for a couple of months. But for whatever reason, they finally end up going to his girlfriend's house, also in Rochdale, Manchester. The story doesn't say exactly how they got into the house. But it sounds like from reading a few stories of this, that they essentially just rang the doorbell and said, hey, uh, can we come in and look for Joshua? And whoever was in there said, yeah, sure. Yeah, come on in. Take your shoes off. But Take yeah. your shoes off, though, <clears throat> constable. They go in and they start looking for Joshua. And as, as you would imagine, they start going from room to room and looking for, for their suspect. Now, in one of these rooms, there is a, you know, a bed and uh, some dresser drawers, um, like a, a bookshelf, but no people in it. They, you know, they look under the bed, behind the dresser, but there's something off about this room and they can't quite figure out what it is. Now, this is what some cops call hinky. <laughs> a term for when something isn't right, uh -huh. but you can't quite put your finger on what it is. So it's it's three or four officers, and they're kind of looking at each other like, what what's off about this room? 
because there are no people in the room. But then one of them realizes, okay, we don't see any people, but we hear what sounds like slow breathing. <laughs> There's nobody under the bed. There's nobody behind the dresser drawers. How, how can that be? Why, why would we hear breathing? There's nobody in the closet. They're looking around the room, and the only thing in that room, <laughs> aside from the furniture, is a large teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, a teddy bear with asthma, apparently. With congestive <laughs> respiratory issues. So now they're staring at this this damned oversized t- teddy bear. And they can see that it's it's breathing. <laughs> this is where the breathing noise was coming from. Okay. So sure enough, the toy had been cut open and Mr. Dobson from Rochdale had somehow managed to squeeze himself inside the lining of this teddy bear okay. in a in a bid to ev- evade detection. So my question is this, did he hollow out that teddy bear in advance anticipating that uh, the police would show up and this was the perfect way to evade capture or when he heard the police banging on his door was his first thought i gotta hollow out a teddy bear and climb inside that is a great question my, my guess is it might be the latter because um when you see a photo of the quote-unquote crime scene you can see that there wasn't a whole lot of of lining removed like it was maybe a pretty slapdash kind of kind of attempt to was the stuffing just lying on the floor next? Yeah, on the floor to, oh, next, oh, to the, next to okay. the teddy bear. <laughs> so I'm picturing one of the cops pulling a gun and saying, freeze, bear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they pulled Joshua out of the teddy bear. They put him in cuffs. And uh, he was actually sentenced um, for theft of a motor vehicle, driving while disqualified, and making off from a petrol station without payment. But this is where these these cops now actually start having some fun. They post on Twitter, our neighborhood task force and divisional tasking team in Rochdale could barely Uh. believe what they stumbled across in searching for a wanted man. We certainly had a more than bearable time bringing to justice one of the town's thieves. He is now stuffed behind bars. Uh So court documents show that Mr. Dobson was sentenced to nine months in prison for the theft of that car. It's interesting that it's theft of the Mitsubishi and its keys, which I think is is curious. Wow. Like, it's not just the car theft, but you took the keys too? Like, that's an extra charge? I don't know. It would seem to me that if you didn't take the keys, you would have had to hotwire the vehicle, and that would do more damage. So taking the keys... Seems like the prudent thing to do, right? Yeah, and and you shouldn't be. It's like they're saying, you know what? You didn't hotwire it, so we're going to slap the, slap you with a theft of keys. Of keys is, but apparently the the people weren't uh, done uh, going after this guy Dobson. Facebook users started to chime in, and one user said, "I bet the officers couldn't bear leave when they found him." <laughs> one said, "He's only going to get the bare essentials in jail." 
Another said, trouble was brewing for that thief. <laughs> and another said, that's possession of a stolen car. Oof. Uh, another pointed out that while the teddy bear was large, it's nowhere human-sized, and how small Joshua must have been to fit inside that bear. That's crazy. Crazy. So, Thanks to the Manchester Evening News, all that's interesting.com, the Daily Mail, and globaleconomy.com. So one count of car theft, one count of car key theft, and one count of impersonating a bear. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't go after him for that. That's quite a rap sheet. It's too bad that they didn't make him wear the uh, the bear outfit. For his booking photo? (laughs) For the perp walk and the booking photo. You just see this teddy bear with cuffs on being escorted into the courtroom for his arraignment. Oh, that would have been priceless, right? Teddy bear in an orange jumpsuit? Teddy Ruxpin (laughs) locked away. (laughs) Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We encourage you. We thank you for... uh, the story ideas, the questions, the critiques, and uh, especially when you love on us. We love when you love on us. Yeah, not so much the critiques, though. Um, we can do without that. We know we know we suck. We don't I need just, people to tell us that. I just wanted to act like we cared. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!